And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, and we talk Cubs. That's what we do. I realize that the, uh, you know, that's how I conclude the intro every time. I'm like, da-da-da-da-da, On to Waveland, and we're here to talk about the Cubs. You already know that. I don't know why I do it, but, you know, just in case somebody at Spotify bumped them to this podcast and they're like, what, what is this? It's a Cubs podcast, so we're probably going to talk about the Cubs. Uh, and that means as far as the last few games have gone, we're going to, or at least I'm going to be dour about the Cubs. No, it is. Uh, so the Cubs have lost these first two games against the Phillies, and it does mark their first series loss since the Angels sweep two and a half weeks ago. And I suppose you could take that as a positive framing and say hey you know you're not literally going to win or split every series the rest of the way so it's nice that it didn't come for quite a while and uh, if the Cubs are any indication uh, pulling off a sweep is nearly impossible so clearly the Cubs are going to win tonight because uh, you know it's (laughs) who sweeps that just never happens right Um, (laughs) unless it's the Pirates (laughs) so um Anyway, you know, we'll we'll get back to that. I wanted to comment sort of generically at the top because I saw it from, I mean, as soon as Drew Smiley gave up the second multi-run home run uh, in the second inning last night, my mentions on Twitter were flooded by the same thought. Just probably dozens of people saying the same thing, which is Trey Mancini killed the season. And it is, it's funny the way... <laughs> people like I'm not saying it didn't pop into my head even the moment it happened when that error happened in London and you thought oh shit is this going to like turn this game and then it doesn't take long as a fan to be like oh no is this going to be this moment that we look back at in three years and we'll be like hey you remember how 2023 was kind of starting to go okay and then they went to where was that 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 London series and then Trey Mancini dropped that ball and everything fell apart like that's how all of our wheels turn as fans. We sort of preemptively build narratives that we might want to lean on in the future because that's the culture of fandom is like, Hey, remember this, remember this. Um, And I have to like, try to tell people myself included, like, yo, hold on. It's only three games, which I know feels like an interminable period at the moment, but like, it's entirely possible that the Cubs do win tonight against the Phillies. And then maybe they have a nice series against the guardians and it's sort of never that that moment never takes on this mantle of like, that's when 
2023 fell apart. Um, but I did think it was funny how that is absolutely the thing that, that a huge chunk of the fans are waiting to keep their thumb on as the moment that they're going to carry with them for weeks and months, if not years. And I'm very sorry personally to Trey Mancini for that, but uh, that is how things are going at the moment. I mean, I, I hope that's mostly just like uh, gallows humor or something from, from Cubs fans frustrated in the moment because I, I feel like I, I'm repeatedly telling my son this and, and his little league team and, and, and other young kids, like it's not that that one moment that happened to you isn't the reason the team lost or the team is struggling right now. Like one moment in baseball very rarely is, is, is the reason uh, things fall apart and and if and if it is if if that if that moment uh, crushed this team's spirit then they don't deserve to to be in contention they're not strong enough uh, mentally or or talented enough to overcome that then there's no reason we should believe in them uh my bigger concern right now is i was having a conversation while Jameson Tyon was actually doing okay before he gave up the the, the, the three runs and whatever the fifth yeah, that second home to Brandon Marsh. or whatever yeah looked pretty good yeah right I I was I was saying this guy needs to start pitching better in the second half obviously that's I know that's an obvious statement but I said this is big for them and my and and he's and and the person I was talking to said well he just needs to be a five and I was like I disagree because I'm a little concerned about Drew Smiley I think we saw like a, a great Drew Smiley in the first half. And, and I don't think we'll see what did Smiley give up on, on, on Wednesday, seven runs. Seven, I, I don't yeah. think we'll see. Yeah. Seven runs in whatever that was three and a third inning. I don't think we'll see that. I think he'll be passable, but I think he'll be more that back end starter that he kind of is right. Has been for his career, a little up and down. Uh, we'll see some good moments. I know he fought through his last start in Pittsburgh, was it? Uh, he should have given up more runs in that. I mean, some runs in that game. I think he threw five shutout. Uh, did not look great. Really battled through that. Uh, my concern right now is the back end of this rotation. I, I, I'm, you know, I think Kyle Hendricks is a, I shouldn't say my biggest, it's not my biggest concern. I just have a, this is not a team built to overcome four or five runs from the starter, right? Allowing four or five runs from the starter. They, they had a solid uh, offensive performance yesterday and couldn't overcome a poor outing from the starter. That's usually how it's going to be with this team. They're not going to be out slug you. We know that, right? Uh, Hendricks goes today. He's got like a 13% strikeout rate. I don't, I, like, I, I'm, you know, you have to be happy with what he's given you so far. I think he needs to start getting a little bit more swing and miss and not relying so much on his defense. I understand, you know, I know what type of pitcher Kyle Hendricks is. I get it. He's a soft contact guy, but this is a little extreme. Uh, You know, I I just would caution people to say that, that are saying that Kyle Hendricks is back to his old self. That's a really low strikeout rate, really low swing and miss rate. Um, so these these back three guys, you know what you have in Steele and Stroman. Obviously, we'll see how the blister is with Stroman. He's throwing a side today. Uh, right now, that's a little bit of my concern. They they can't overcome 
a poor poor stretch from the rotation. They, they just can't. And this is, like we said last podcast, this is a really critical stretch. The pitching has to carry them right now. Uh, I, I think it's okay if Drew Smiley takes a little bit of a step back because he gave them so much in the first half. I, that All the more reason why Jamison Tyon needs to figure out his issues against lefties right now. He, he focused on that four-seamer. Uh, Carter Hawkins reiterated that he's not coming out of the rotation. I think that's the right move, and I think it's kind of obvious. You can't give up on this guy. It, this isn't a get this. Uh, people like to compare it to Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson never had the type of success that Jamison Tyon had. Edwin Jackson was the type of guy that was like tantalizing with his stuff. That every pitching coach that ever had him was like, "I can fix this guy. I can maximize this guy." This is a guy that's been pretty consistent. He's not this bad. So what is going on? Do people have years like this? Yes. Could this last all year? Sure. Uh, but my my point is he needs to get back to being close to that guy. He, his numbers may not be good by the end of the year, but if he has a second half that's that's more closely resembles what he's been, uh, the Cubs will take that, that the Cubs kind of need that. Um, I, I just think that that's, that's right now after these last few games, I'm just like, oh, man, they cannot overcome bad starting pitching. They're just not – that's not how this team is is built to win. So, and we knew that from the very beginning. That's the ball game, right there. In terms of what the front office is going to do at the trade deadline, like if they continue getting good starting pitching, they can talk themselves into keeping this team together and making some marginal upgrades. But if Stroman's blister keeps him out longer than the Cubs are saying and you know Justin Steele you know is someone who has not gone through a full major league season yet and we've seen Smiley who I think we all agree is a solid uh, capable respected pitcher but is coming back from what looked like a guy who might be in the all-star conversation to just like a solid you know piece to have and then obviously you need Tyone to be, like you're saying, more than serviceable. And if he's not, um, the reality is the Cubs don't have a good option to replace him beyond all the kind of like long-term ramifications that we all know of his contract status and importance moving forward. Uh, he's still probably like their best bet uh in there and I think everyone loves watching Kyle Hendricks pitch and he's been I think Brett you framed it as like way better than anyone could have reasonably expected and and that's true too and so Brett you mentioned the word narrative and I know that's usually used in like a pejorative sense but like that's exactly what the Cubs are doing right now they're talking themselves into believing in the clubhouse believing that this can happen Uh, the business side and the ownership group are trying to uh, convince the fans that we're really into this, like we're going to be buyers. And then you have uh, the people actually make those baseball decisions being like, well, let's let's wait and see here. A lot can happen between now and August 1st, and we're going to wait until the last possible second before we make any uh, irreversible decisions, as Carter Hawkins put it. High leverage irreversible decisions. I um, I did find that interesting to see Carter Hawkins' comments on the subject of buying, selling, trade deadline as contrasted with 
Tom Ricketts and that we talked about on the last episode, whereas Tom Ricketts framed it understandably as, oh, we're, you know, right now we'd be buyers, you know, unless things go off the rails, we'd be buyers. And Hawkins, it's a fine distinction, but a meaningful one. His was more of a, well, yeah, if things keep going like they're going, we would be buyers. Those are two different things. Those are absolutely two different things. Especially, it's almost like they're never on the same page ever. You know, business and baseball sides. Especially, and and I thought, and I noticed this too in earlier comments in the month from Jed Hoyer. They are absolutely eyeballing five hundred as like a meaningful number. They've they have brought it up. They've talked around it, but any time discussion of where they are in the division comes up. It always has two layers to it. It's like, yeah, it's good not to be blown out in the division. It's good to be, you know, few back in the standings, whatever, and that's competitive. But you also have to think about where you are close in proximity to 500. That's what Hoyer said. Hawkins framed it as, well, you'd like to win more. You need to win more than you lose. Okay, well, that's above 500. And it is hard for a front office to justify meaningfully supplementing a team that can't win more games than it loses. Because with apologies to the AL Central, I don't think any division ultimately is going to end up with a sub-500 winner uh, at the end of it. And so even in a crap division like the Central is proving to be, you're going to have to win 85, 86, 87, 88 games to really have a shot. And I think whereas Tom Ricketts and the business side will default to wanting to buy and to to proclaim that because that energizes the fan base that keeps people involved it's good for ratings good for attendance it's good for just sort of morale in the organization totally get it all fair i want to believe that too i think the part that they maybe don't think about quite as much is that there are actually three components to the buy sell decision it's it's the opportunity to buy and improve your team um there's the we aren't good enough, so tear it down part of it. But then there's also the opportunity cost of not selling because you only have certain parts of the calendar where you can sell and acquire young prospect talent. Um, I think the front office does think about that a lot. That um, for as much as I think they probably would stand pat if they were sort of like where they are now, you know, not, not super close, kind of middling, um, maybe they stand pat. I do think about the fact that standing pat is actually in a, it's like an affirmative negative for the front office because it's a missed opportunity to sell. If there were going to be possible acquisitions out there where they could add to the prospect capital, like that's a missed opportunity. And so I think um, we have to keep that in mind that that's probably something that's tugging at the back of Carter Hawkins' mind when he's answering questions like this and saying, well, you know, you don't want to make any irreversible, any high leverage irreversible decisions until you absolutely have to. Um, and that means you run it up to July 31st and August 1st. And um, that's also why he's probably more loath to say, yeah, we'd be buy right now. We'd be buyers um, that, you know, I think we probably have to just continue to to stay back and know that in, I don't know, in my heart of hearts, I know selling is still more likely than buying just because of how I project out the next month. Um, 
And I think that uh, this run up that we've been talking about to the all star break is really going to be something meaningful and go a long way toward making those decisions uh, for the front office. Yeah, I mean, just knowing Jed Hoyer uh, over the past decade plus, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he does not like to sit still in these moments. He it's not uh, he looks he's talked about this a lot about how deadlines spur action. He I know he gets frustrated by the lack of action at times, maybe over a winter or when when there's not reason to make moves. A lot of other teams just don't make moves. They, they, they don't they aren't aggressive. So he takes these opportunities when he can like he has to jump on them, whether that means selling or buying. Uh, I, I, I think there there are there is a scenario where they could be a little bit more aggressive but the problem with that is, as far as buying, uh, the problem with that is there just may not be enough on the market uh, to be as aggressive as it may make sense to. And when I say that, I'm not saying a rental. You know, like if the Padres just collapse and decide, well, we're not going to extend Juan Soto and they want to put him back out there. Now is the time, right? Now is the time for the Cubs to go crazy for for a guy like Juan Soto. Uh, he's not the he, he's not the third baseman lefty bat that that they need, but he's that lefty bat that they need, right? And and he's the superstar that that he that that would make sense. That's that's a very probably a very minuscule chance that that happens, right? The Padres, unless they just completely fall out of it, AJ Preller has has spent so much money and ownership has spent so much money that 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 they're they're not likely to sell uh but that's the one type of like that's the type of player and the type of contract that i can see the cubs being aggressive for they're just so rare that that there's not many other examples i can uh, i can pull from right now uh but yeah i I kind of agree with you brett we're we're starting like i don't want to overreact to a three-game losing streak but in all likelihood this is a this is probably a team that ends up uh, selling but not aggressively, right? You, you're absolutely right that they don't want to miss any opportunities to, to to improve the club. And and people will be like, how are you improving the club by trading Marcus Stroman, blah, 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 whoever. These guys, that they may not be around in 2024. You can still have a good team in 2024. I know people look at this and say, how can you possibly replace Marcus Stroman? It's the same question we had about how can you possibly replace you, Darvish? They have to be aggressive again in, in free agency, right? That That's the bottom line. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's the right thing or that it's, it's easy, easy to digest for Cubs fans. If that ends up happening, it, it's going to make sense in a baseball way and they have to look at this very dispassionately they can't be attached to Marcus Stroman and I I, Cubs fans have this ability maybe it's it's probably all fans uh, of particular teams but they have this ability to think that the player on your team is the only player that can help you the good players are the only good players around Um, that's just not real right that's not true like I I said this last time I've said this before but a year ago nobody liked Marcus Stroman as far as Cubs fans went like they they were frustrated by his addition and his performance so these things change quickly 
who can help the team and how they can impact the team changes quickly as well. Uh, I mean, we weren't talking about Jared Young <laughs> two weeks ago, and now I'm getting questions about why was he pinch hit for in the middle of a game? Uh, you know, so it, it, the, it, there's a lot of like we have to be careful with how we react game to game. And I know I just we're, we're doing it right now after a three game losing streak following a really great stretch of play. But but this is, you know, these decisions that that's why Carter Hawkins is being like slow your roll type thing. We have, we have a month of baseball to, to play before we're making these decisions. We're not making these decisions right now. Uh, if they get hot in the next uh, 11 games before the deadline, I think we'll have an answer. Right. It, but even if they're su- like, if they're 500 b- before the break, you know, it's more of that. Let's let's be patient. Let's see how this plays out. Let's let's not overreact. They have to think that way. It's the right way to think, but it's also maybe it's not satisfactory for Cubs fans who who grow attached to players that play well uh, pretty quickly. I understand that. I, I understand wanting Marcus Stroman around for a long time, but you have to remember there are other pitchers that can impact this team and 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 make them good. Uh, Ultimately, it would suck if they're selling. I understand that. If they're selling, that's it's the it's a, it's a bad outcome uh, for fans. Even if your point that that you're making, Brett, that it's it, it could be the right thing and the best thing for 2024 and 2025 and beyond, uh, it's just it's not fun. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Any dispassionate analysis would also have to take into account how underwhelming the returns have been uh, thus far since the Cubs have sold. And I'm going back to the U Darvish trade, which was obviously made under duress, a limited market. Uh, Jed Hoare being told, you have to slash your budget. So I get that. But I look, a best case scenario is probably like Owen Casey being the only major league contributor like seven years after it happened like uh i think the cubs themselves have said the landscape has shifted significantly since the 2012 to 2014 cycle like you're not getting a prospect as good as addison russell that's basically what they've said that the teams are just way more protective now and even with those deals you know Kyle Hendricks was in the major league great rotation two years after uh, he was acquired. Like, is there any guy like that that's popping in this year from the 2021 sell-off? I, mean, I was just looking up Jake Arrieta's numbers, and we all know this, and we watched it in Sahadev. You wrote about it at length, but just 
I mean, he was a dude from the moment he came up to the majors. Like, obviously, that 2015 uh, Cy Young season is where he really burst on the scene, but you know, he established himself as a potential-slash-definite core player in 2013 and 2014. So I just think, you know, Marcus Stroman will probably get you some nice prospects, but, you know, he... He didn't get a five-year deal when he was a free agent. Um, Cody Bellinger was non-tendered by the Dodgers, probably the smartest organization in professional sports, only a couple months ago. So, like, this is where I'll side with, you know, the business side and ownership being like, you know what, I'm not going to fall in love with some A-ball prospect who might help us seven years from now and be like, you know, and that's what I kind of asked Carter, like, does this factor in at all? The stuff we're talking about, Brett, of, you know, Marquis streaming service, the attendance numbers declining uh, at Wrigley Field, how much they've already committed to this season with guys like Dansby Swanson. Like, I don't, you know, I try to ask the question and, like, lay out all these different thoughts because it's not unreasonable for them to be like, let's go for it. I mean, you got to let your baseball people do their job and not metal and that's something that Tom Ricketts has been extremely good at over the years but you know this idea of you know future playoff probabilities and this and that like this is right in front of you in a bad division with um you know players and coaches that you talk up incessantly um that eventually they're going to prove with their actions like they either believe in this team or not and you know, thus far they kind of talk around it or they're talking up when they have to, and then they pump the brakes when um, they feel like people are getting too far ahead of themselves. But, like, yeah, we'll see. We'll learn a lot about, you know, what the Cubs really think. Uh, and when I say the Cubs, I mean every side of the organization uh, by August 1st. That's the flip side of the opportunity conversation, is that for as much as it is correct to say that, you know, when the front office – might hate an opportunity to sell because there's only so many times in the calendar when you can sell and acquire, you know, prospect capital. Uh, there's also only so many seasons. Uh, spoiler alert, there's one season per year and that's it. And it, it is not going perfectly for this Cubs team, but there are a lot of things that you could point at and say, you know, that might not repeat itself next year and that might not repeat itself next year. And I can tell you one thing for dang sure watching some of these other teams in the central i don't think the central is going to be this bad next year and so for as much as you might want to point to the cubs and say well they'll have a better opportunity next year because they'll have this guy coming up and they'll be able to add to the rotation and free agency and so on and so forth sure that might be true but that doesn't mean that your opportunity within this division is going to look as good as it does this year and so you could certainly make the argument that if they hang around even remotely within striking distance of 500 and the top of the division, this is the year when you say, okay, let's make some aggressive additions. You know, the, the Cubs do for, for as much as they are still lacking in a ton of impact talent at the top of the system, their depth overall is as good as it's been since I've followed the Cubs farm system, which is a very long time. And there are organizational roster limits. You can't keep them all. You just straight up can't keep every guy that you want to keep in your system that, you know, a decent prospect that can net you a, a rental 
relief arm that might help you add a couple of those guys, maybe add to the back of the rotation. I mean, there are avenues and Sahadev's right to make the point that sometimes the market just doesn't develop and the, the ability to make those additions is not there, but you would hate it if the Cubs front office was entering this period of the calendar thinking uh, this is going to be an opportunity to sell and we don't want to miss it. You know, you, 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 you need and want them to be thinking outside the box of, well, where can we add at the margins of this thing, try to get to 85 wins, and maybe that gives us a chance. And ultimately, where we circle back to is the, the team almost has to make that argument for them. The team has to win some games here in the run-up to the All-Star break to make that an easier decision. And we hear that conceptually from front offices all the time that, or from players, you know, where, where it's like, oh, when they made this trade at the deadline to supplement, w- what a vote of confidence that was in us. You know, it made us feel really good that they wanted to go out and acquire these guys because they believe in us for the second half. And you, you want the players to demonstrate that you want them to justify that belief. And, and I think that, two feeds into this idea of like, well, going to kind of probably have to take it up to the deadline because I don't know that you could look at this roster dispassionately. That's going to be the word of the episode. I don't think you could look dispassionately at this roster and the performance and the projections from here and say, yes, I am convicted that this is an 85 plus win team. Like I, I, I think I have some positivity to lean on, but I also know in my heart of hearts I hoped the farm system would be at a place at this point in the year that we would be looking and saying, well, this this guy's ready to burst into the rotation, and this guy's definitely ready to come up and contribute in the bullpen. And I thought we were going to be seeing more guys that you're going to get that internal impact in the second half. And I got to tell you, I follow that stuff closely, and I'm not really seeing that right now. I still I love the farm system overall. I see great development, especially in the lower halves of the farm system, but I'm not as optimistic as I would have been back in March that they were going to get that internal impact. Um, To that end, I want to note one thing to circle around and then we can wrap and add in anything else you want, guys. Um, I did find Hayden Wisniewski's outing last night was uh, really good, strong. Uh, The rub that I want to just, not that I'm trying to be like the the Debbie Downer of it, just keep in mind that Phillies lineup that they had in there last night against Drew Smiley and that they didn't modify or substitute against Wisniewski for whatever reason. Um, it was very right-handed leaning. I think there were two lefties in the lineup. And that's a lineup that Hayden Wisniewski right now has the present ability to dominate. So that isn't to take away from 4.1 great innings that he threw, but it was sort of, it was a little closer to like, yeah, that's kind of what you would expect him to do. Um, but that's a great baseline for starting. We have seen other pitchers develop the ability to attack lefties a little more effectively. I think he and Jamison Tyone should maybe get together and workshop some ideas um, because they have pretty much the same issues right now. Um, And then last thing, again, you guys can jump on any parts of this that you want. I I just want to note, I am concerned about Cody Bellinger. I've reached that point that uh, he hasn't had a barrel, not one, not a single barrel since April. Now, he did miss a month of that time. Uh, with the knee injury so like he's had fewer games in which to potentially have one but it's not like a significant knee injury is something that's going to allay concerns about a guy who struggled for two years because of injury issues um yeah I'm, I'm i'm definitely concerned because without that bat the cubs are in 
some serious trouble per, uh, productivity wise. Say Suzuki has also had pretty terrible three weeks. Um, so anyway, those are more concerns to throw on the fire. Yeah, I, it, with Bellinger, I feel like uh, I thought I was seeing a few line drives getting caught uh, and not as much good luck. The BABIP isn't low enough for me to to really jump on that, though. I, I went and looked up the numbers, and maybe I'm just picking a few uh, randomly. I remember game two in Pittsburgh. I felt like there were two that he, he hit on a line and both got caught. One was a nice play in left field or maybe center field. I, I can't remember. And uh, – as far as some positivity, I think maybe it's time to move Nick Madrigal up in the lineup. Uh, he he don't looks mess good. with it. Like don't mess with it. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like because he has been really great. So I'm like, don't mess with anything with him. But I mean, he was so good in in the minor leagues, and he's kind of carried that over. And he's hit three balls off the wall now. I think his uh, first barrel you know, with the Cubs. Two, yeah, he, his right. first ever. He, he's I mean. He hit some line drives yesterday. I, I don't know. And he's also getting – He's. I mean, the ball's falling at times, but there's some legitimate hits here, like some legitimate line drives, uh, doubles. Uh, I think maybe you move him up a little bit in the lineup. I don't know what you do with Cody Bellinger. Um, you got to keep trying to figure it out, right? There's not like – it's not like uh, someone's ready to come take over for him uh, unless, yeah, there, there's, I think you just got to keep riding Bellinger and, and hope the, the power stroke comes because you need power. Uh, they're, they're clearly getting a little um, like what, what lever can we pull? Oh, Jared Young's hot. Let's call him up, which I love. I'd love doing that when, when someone's hot in the minor leagues, I don't care if they're 27 about to turn 28, whatever, bring them up. You know, if you need that skill set and, and there's an opening, go for it. Try it. Try and make it work. Try and catch lightning in a bottle. It may be uh, two weeks, maybe two months. It, it may maybe he's a late developer and you, you find something. Whatever it is, you got to try and take advantage of that. And and, and especially when you need that skill set and, and he's exactly what they need. So so try and take advantage of it. But yeah, my I, I was thinking about that the past couple of days. Uh is it time to move Madrigal up? Does he need to be like a, a bigger part of this offense? Because he looks he looks good at the plate. Brett, you brought up something that I've been kind of debating internally. Like I I love following the farm system. I love like talking to prospects and scouts and, and coaches and like learning about you know new trends and what the organization is thinking. But this to me was just like the year where it just totally jumped the shark that just the obsession with Matt Mervis um, and some of this, we play a part in this too. I'm not like exempting us from the baseball media fan Twitter complex. Like, but you know, Hayden was Nesky. Oh, he's looked so great in September and spring training. And then it's like, you know, he, I think he'll be a good major league pitcher over the long haul, but he clearly was not the guy in the rotation and you know i think the cubs like best prospect or you know guy who's gonna have the longest impact in the organization is a guy that no one was talking about miguel amaya partially because he like never played for years understandably but just the just the cycle of and some of its injuries you know cody hoyer unfortunately but just like every week like a new name in the iowa bullpen um you know, talking about like, look at how great Cade Horton is against, you know, kids in Myrtle Beach and like, like the hardest place to hit maybe in the minors. Like, 
it's just enough. And the comparisons to like the last rebuild, like Chris Bryant was a unicorn. Um, you know, Kyle Schwarber, what was it like within a year of getting drafted? Like he was hitting bombs in the big leagues. Like even someone like Jorge Soler, the Cubs gave him $30 million. Like that had to be a big story, you know? And I think by, you know, if you're comparing, like don't be comparing Anthony Rizzo to Matt, Matt Mervis, just because they have like a similar size and they're left-handed and Oh yeah. Anthony Rizzo struggled in San Diego too. Well, when Anthony Rizzo was Mervis's age, he was might have been a two-time All-Star. He was at least one. I, I didn't do the math because I'm bad at math, but and I didn't have time to look it up on Baseball Reference while we're on the Zoom here. But it's like all of these things I've been kind of thinking about and trying to like make strategic decisions or better decisions about our coverage and how to like explain things to fans. And I think that the Cubs have to be taking a hard look at that too. Like when you see what the Reds are doing. Um, you know, they made some changes to their, from my understanding and reading Jason Stark, you know, some of their drafting, scouting, player development philosophies around the exact same time the Cubs did. And, like, look what you see coming. And I realize there's lots of variables here. Player development is hard. Um, not having that minor league season in 2020, like, this is a real long-haul type of deal that, you know, guys who – we're not talking about now will be way better than we think. And, you know, the guys that we're hyping up now, some of them will just fall flat, but I think it's just a good reminder. um, And something that the Cubs should be taking a hard look at uh, because they've really presented this image of like, you know, we've got things figured out on the pitching side and that, you know, our farm systems in such great shape. And like, it's better than it was a couple of years ago and there should be some good players. And there's like, a pipeline there and you see I mean Christopher Morell is you know fantastically talented and you know really fun to watch but like in terms of that like scouting and player development machine like that's not close to being built yet and I think that's an important reminder as we try to follow along here over the next several weeks and years yeah I um I think that I like a lot of fans am, am victim to the hype cycle and that's just you know, it might never change. I'm an old dog now at this point, so it's sort of like, I don't know if I can learn new tricks. But I do think um, it, there's there's almost a general gloss that you could apply to all this stuff, which is just like, just just take it easy a little bit. Like, just, you know, we can have the same conversations that we have about prospects and about the potential impact and their value and all of these things, but like, maybe shave off 10%. And then, then you can give it a <laughs> nice matte finish. And you can... Um, have a little bit more thoughtful uh, discussion about what's realistic and what's possible. And, um, you know, hopefully the Cubs do get some impact internally in the second half and certainly heading into 2024, you want to see some major steps forward for impact on the roster. But at the same time, a lot of your impact is going to come from other big league players that you import onto your roster. And that's going to be this off season for the Cubs. And the reason I mention that now is because it takes me back to, and this is where we'll wrap um, Sadiq's comments about Marcus Stroman. You know, it, for some fans, it becomes impossible to imagine how can life go on without Marcus Stroman? And it's like, yo, they just signed him two years ago. Like these guys are available. You can, you can make good signings and make good decisions. You know, Dansby Swanson wasn't a Cubs prospect. They didn't develop him. They just bought him. Like, you can do these things. And the Cubs are going to have to make that 
uh, an important part of this phase of their competitiveness. And that may include making some trades this month to bring in big league talent to try to impact the 2023 team. So hopefully that's a conversation that we're having uh, as we look ahead this month. So Cubs have one more against the Phillies tonight. Then they've got the Guardians this weekend and then the Brewers and the Yankees. And we'll see where things stand. Uh, this is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff over at Bleacher Nation. That's side of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you as always, and we hope you have a wonderful uh, weekend. Stay out of the smoke, I guess. And other than that, enjoy your time. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.